Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Today, we are wrapping up our series called Tug of War, and it has been an awesome uh, series. And in this series, we've been checking out one of the greatest battles that we can fight in life which is playing tug of war with God. Uh, It's over his will versus our will. And so on one side, you've got God and he's got a will and he's got a plan, a plan for us to follow him and to take care of others and his creation. And then on the other side, we have a will and we have a plan. And usually that plan is about ourselves. And what we've learned during this uh, series is that when we don't choose God's mission, we often give into a shadow mission. And that's what we're calling it. A shadow mission is something lesser uh, for us that God has planned. Uh, He hasn't planned that. And it's something that we want to do. And it's appealing. It's very appealing. But yet when we choose that shadow mission, often it hurts us. It hurts those who are around us and it hurts our relationship with God. And so if you've missed any part of this series, I highly recommend you to check it out on our podcast. Now, as when you came in today, you received a string. Some of you are like, what are they doing today? And this represents the rope that we play tug of war with. And what I want you to do is simply this. I just want you to put it around your wrist and I want you just to like put a loop through it so it just kind of stays on there and uh, just loosely, you know, don't do a navy knots or anything like that. We want you to be able to escape and everything, but go ahead and just loop it around your wrist and then forget about it, all right? We'll come back to the very end of the message and I'll tell you what that is about. So go ahead and do that and that would be great. Now today, I want to talk about what's at stake when we uh, choose this temptation to go towards our shadow mission versus God's mission. Uh, Because there's always something at stake um, and there's always something more at stake uh, than what we see. And um, the reason that we don't see it is because of temptation. Temptation is a powerful force, all right? It can take away, it can take us away from God's mission and because it's very enticing. And temptation uh, can make things look easy that we want. And temptation can lead to shortcuts. Now, let me tell you a true story, all right? Um, Because all of us have uh, been tempted uh, because of love, all right? So often, I don't tell uh, the story of how Sarah and I got engaged, okay? And uh, the reason I do that is because looking back, uh, I didn't think through that this is the story that I would have to tell the rest of our lives, all right? And so uh, when you get the ring, you know, I'm talking about the ring, uh, they don't tell you the power that this ring has over you. And you just start to look at it, and I started to look at it, and then I started to move it and watch it sparkle and everything, and I started to call it my precious, you know? No, I didn't do that. But... um, I started taking it around on my college dorm floor and showing all the guys, look at this ring, isn't it amazing? And so now I had the ring and I was ready to propose to the woman that I loved. And so I thought, you know what? Let me give her a call and reserve a date for next week, all right? And so I give her a call and we're talking and we're coming to the end of our conversation And she says, well, why? Do you have something special planned? I'm like, oh, I just want to take you out on a date, you know? And so I get off the phone and I tell my roommate, oh no, she knows. What am I going to do? 
And he says, well, you've got the ring. I'm like, yeah. He says, do it tonight. And I'm like, what? I can't do it tonight. And he's like, do it tonight. I'm like, all right, I'll do it tonight. Now, wait a second. You know, how am I going to do this? Like, I live on campus. She lives on campus. To propose on campus is kind of lame, you know? That's not a great plan. I had come up with this elaborate, romantic plan. What am I going to do? So I started to think. I'm like, now, wait a second. I'm a little sick today. I didn't go to church. You know what I'll do? I'll give her a call in a couple hours and say, hey, I'm getting worse. I really need you to go to the hospital. And would you come and pick me up, all right? And that way, I'll get her off campus. So I look at my friend, and I tell him the plan, and he says, go for it. That's awesome. And so remember, two 22-year-old guys in one room, one armed with love and a ring, all right? So I call her up a couple hours later and uh, say, you know, my asthma's starting to act up. I should probably go to the hospital. Would you take me? And she says, of course. So she comes. And uh, I go on out, and she pulls up in her car. And lo and behold, who else is in the car? My future mother-in-law. <laughs> Kid you not. They were in town visiting. And she thought she'd come to help. And so now I'm really feeling sick, all right? <laughs> So I get into the car, Sarah's driving, I'm riding shotgun, my mother-in-law's in the back, and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get rid of my future mother-in-law, all right? And so I'm thinking, as we're starting to drive you know, through campus, I've got an idea. So I turn around to Mrs. Hoyt, my mother-in-law, or my future mother-in-law, and I say, Mrs. Hoyt, you know... I don't have my insurance card. Um, could we stop at Sarah's apartment and you go and call my mom and we'll keep going and then, you know, I'll give, we'll give you a call from the hospital and then that way we can get the number and it'll be quicker. And the thing is, she knew that pretty soon I was going to propose. So that was kind of in my favor. And at that time, I was giving her a big wink. <laughs> and fortunately, mother-in-laws are awesome she was like, oh, okay, Sarah, drop me off, all right? So I got rid of my mother-in-law, or my future mother-in-law. And let me promise, that's the only time I've ever wanted to get rid of my mother-in-law. No, just kidding. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, so we're going off campus now at this point, and it's like, the plan's working great. I've got to ham this thing up. You know, I've got to pretend I'm really getting sick and everything. But I'm thinking, I've got this ring in my pocket, and it's in this case, you know? How am I going to get this ring out of my pocket and propose to her? So as we're pulling into the hospital, she says, you want me to drop you off at the front, you know, the emergency room? I'm like, no, 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 just park as fast as you can. I'm thinking, how am I going to get this ring out of my pocket? And so she starts to pull, and I'm like, I got it. As soon as she parks the car, I'll open the door, and I'll fall out onto the ground, all right? Kid you not, all right? 22. So she parks, I open the door, I fall out onto the ground, and I get the ring on my pocket, which is awesome, and she comes running around the car, and she's like, Tim, 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 are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, how am I going to get on my knee? You know, how am I going to get on my knee? That's all I'm thinking. How am I going to get on my knee to propose to her? And I'm like, oh, I got it. She's like, what can I do? How can I help? And I said, go and get a stretcher, you know, <laughs> because of course, what does she have to do? Turn around, right? And so all of a sudden I say, she's like, what? I'm like, go get a stretcher. And so she turns around and I get on my knee and I said, sir, 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 wait. 
And she turns around and I say, will you marry me? And she's like, what? Huh? 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 And that is the rest of our history. All right? Yeah. And that's the story that I get to tell for the rest of my life because of the power of love and the temptation of a ring. So now all kidding aside, temptation is very powerful. Temptation has the power to change our plans. It can also hurt us. It can also hurt the ones that we love as well. And temptation, we've all had, uh, have had it come at us. We've all had to come overcome it in some shape or form. We've all had temptation come into our lives and we've fallen into it and we've regretted it. For example, some of us, you know, um, we've, we are all against lying, right? You know, no one wants to marry a liar. No one wants to work for someone uh, who lies or anything. But yet, put in certain circumstances, haven't we all lied? And then for some of us, you know, we've uh, been tempted to get something. You know, we've gone to great lengths to justify, you know, buying a certain phone or buying a certain car or buying a certain house. And when we buy it, we justify it. We justify it. Well, you know, God would want to make me happy, right? He wants me happy. Or for some of us, we've had a uh, job promotion come at us. And when we go to take this job promotion, we know that it's going to take us away from our family, and we're going to have less time with them uh, in those moments. And yet we justify, we kind of say, you know what, you know, yes, I'll have less time with my family, but I'll be able to make more money, I'll be able to provide for a great vacation, you know, we'll be able to provide for college, put a little bit more away, and so I'll just take this promotion. But here's the thing about temptation. Temptation is tough. It's tough because there's something that gets our attention and draws us in. But yet, there is always more at stake than what we see. It always costs us more when we cave into those shadow missions because they're so appealing. So the question that we need to end with in this series is, how do we not give into our temptations? How do we not give in to our temptations? Because temptations lead us to our shadow missions. Temptations lead us to our shadow missions. And so is there a way for us to be able to not cave in to temptation, not to give in to temptation that ends up hurting us, hurting those that are around us, and hurting our relationship with God? Well, Jesus, when he was here, was tempted very, very much. And uh, while he was here on earth, he faced several temptations. He faced a lot of temptations. Temptations to uh, cave into a shadow mission versus God's mission. And so today, that's what I want to check out with us. We want to look at what Jesus did in the midst of these temptations. So if you would, turn to Matthew uh, 3.16 in your Bibles or on your smartphone devices. You heard me, Matthew 3.16, not John 3.16. I know that one's the famous one. But Matthew 3.16 And uh, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, so it's also the first account of Jesus' life. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So go ahead and turn to Matthew 3.16, and I'll give you a moment to get there, and we'll also put it on the screens. All right, now, as you turn there, let me set the scene for us, all right? So we're going to look at the three ways that Jesus was tempted— Before he began his earthly ministry to people, um, 
Jesus was powerfully tempted to cave into a shadow mission versus God's mission. And the way that Jesus was tempted encompasses all the ways that we are tempted. And so Jesus understands temptation. He understands how we are tempted. And buried in these verses are some very important truths for us as we face temptations as well. And so what we're going to see today is that um, when we check out um, the Bible, it has something amazing to offer us, all right? Uh, what we're going to see, even if you don't believe in him, even though you're checking out, we're going to see where temptation comes from. And even if you don't believe where it comes from, we're going to gain some insight into the battle that we are facing, which will be helpful to you as well. So let's begin just before these three temptations in Matthew 3.16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him. Now, this is one of those mysterious moments that could throw us for a loop, but here's the important thing to understand, all right? This was seen by many people, and it's written in many different accounts. And so it's history, and so it's really cool. And the big thing that God wants us to focus on is that this is God putting his stamp of approval on what Jesus had just done, and that's important to keep in mind. Now, let's continue on. Verse 17, and God says in this loud, booming voice, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Or in other translations, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So in other words, God is saying, hey, you know what? Look at my son, you know? Look at my son. I am so proud of my son. I am so pleased with him. He has done a great thing. And so God is very pleased with Jesus. Now, chapter four happens, verse one. Anybody, what's the first word of that verse? Anybody? Not your question? Then, there we go. All right, so then means right after. So this event just happened with Jesus being baptized and his father approving of him and what he had just done, and now this happens, all right? So then, then Jesus was led by the spirit, that's God's spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Now, I could imagine uh, Jesus saying, now, wait a second, you know, did I do something wrong here, you know? And God answering, no, I love you, I'm pleased with you. Then why are you leading me into the desert to be tempted by the devil, you know? And uh, I mean, I thought you loved me. And God's saying, I do, I do love you. Then why are you leading me into the desert to be tempted by the devil, you know? And God says, hey, I'm going to lead you into the desert to be tempted by the number one tempter of tempters. And many of us might be thinking, man, isn't this strange that Jesus is talking to the devil? And for us, it is. But for Jesus, it wasn't. You know, Jesus talked to the devil here. He did it in another spot. He talked about the devil. In fact, throughout Jesus' three years of public ministry, he would often talk to demons on a regular basis. And that's because the entire Bible paints this picture from the beginning when Trent started this series that when Adam and Eve were created and the world was created, that right there, there was the devil. And we've been in this battle, this spiritual battle. And so um, temptations, what we need to understand, come from God's enemy. God doesn't tempt us. He never tempts us. But he allows for temptation to happen for now. 
And what's the important thing to look here and not uh, forget is that in this moment, Jesus perfectly pleased his father and he was tempted himself. So no one has an exception. And the reason that God allows temptation in our lives is that he is doing something in us to make us great. And so if you're going through temptation, realize that it's normal. Even Jesus was tempted and he pleased his heavenly father. So let's look at now the first of these three temptations. Verse two, for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted and became very hungry. So he's ready for some Reese's peanut butter cups, all right? <clears throat> I would. Verse three, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, none of us would initially think, okay, that's a big deal. You know, the devil wants to take Jesus out to lunch. Okay, that's kind of strange. But where's the temptation? Well, here's the temptation. Here's what the devil was tempting Jesus with. The devil was tempting Jesus to meet a legitimate need in a, in a illegitimate way. He was trying to get Jesus to meet a legitimate way in an illegitimate way, all right? So how, you know, how so? Well, at the root of temptation is this question. Can we trust God? Is God big enough? Can God meet all of my needs? Now, we've all experienced this in different ways, right? You know, we've all experienced temptation. We've all had a desire to be in a relationship, and that's a legitimate way, you know? And yet we say, hey, God, you know, when are you going to bring that person to us? You know, are, are they coming our way? I'm kind of waiting here. I'm kind of getting older, you know? And then all of a sudden, something's not happening. So we kind of start looking and we see that person, but yet we know they're not the best person. And we start going towards that direction. Or for some of us, you know, uh, we come up and we need some money. That's a legitimate thing. We need money. And yet the only job that is available at that moment is a job that would take us away from going to services on Sunday. But we just say, you know what? Hey, that's okay. I'll get that job and then I'll work out my schedule later on so I can go back. But what happens? Often we get sucked in. They give us more responsibilities or something. Or for some of us, you know, we feel like, hey, you know, I need to feel a little more significant. Now that's a legitimate need you know, and maybe the work that you're in is not, you know, fulfilling that. And you look at this other job and you say, you know what, that job looks great. Looks like it would give me meaning. And so, yeah, I don't have all the qualifications, so I'll still go interview and I'll just kind of, you know, exaggerate and I get the job instead. Now what happens, you know, why do we do that? It's because at our very hearts, we don't believe that God will come through. We don't believe that he cares for us. We don't believe that God cares about the details in our lives. And so when we look at that, we begin to say, God, are you really there? And that's exactly what the devil was tempting Jesus with. He was saying, hey, Jesus, you know, what did your father do? He led you out into the desert. Where is he, you know? Hey, Jesus, you know what? Uh, you're kind of hungry there. You know, if God's this great provider, then why didn't he give you even a loaf of bread? 
You know, what's up with that? Jesus, I know you came to this earth. I know you set aside your power, you know. Jesus, why don't you just make things happen? You know, why don't you just power up in this moment here? And why don't you just do it on your own? You know, you don't need to get a sign off from your father on this one. You know, just go ahead and do it. Do it without God. Well, isn't that what happens in our lives too? We get impatient. We wonder where God is at. And we think we can sign off versus him signing off. So watch Jesus' powerful response to this. I love it, all right? He says this response to the devil. And it's short, but it's powerful. Verse 4. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus is making a reference to Deuteronomy 8.3. And that's when Moses had just become the leader of this newly formed nation of Israel. God had just rescued them from Egypt and he's taking them into the desert to be tested for 40 years. And God said that he would take care of them. And he did. For 40 years, he made sure that their stomachs were not empty. Every morning they got up and there was this bread-like substance on the ground that they collected called manna. And so as they're doing that, they were not only learning that God could provide for their physical needs during 40 years, but that God could be trusted, that God cares about the details of life, that he will always make things happen, that he will always come through, that God can be trusted because he is very personal. And so we need to understand that we can trust him. We can trust him when we rely on him. And so that's what he's saying in this passage to the enemy. That's what Jesus is coming back at with him. So once the first temptation uh, doesn't work, uh, the devil tries a second one. Verse five, then the devil looked um, or took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if this was like a Star Trek effect, you know, or um, that maybe he like, you know, made him walk and get even more hungry. I like to think of it's the Star Trek effect, you know. So then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, you know, uh, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So the devil's like, hey, you're gonna quote some scripture? I'm gonna quote some scripture as well. And so he says, let me give you a little context of what's happening here. So the devil takes Jesus to the main uh, place of worship of God, the temple in Jerusalem, takes him to the highest point and says, jump because he's probably looking down with Jesus and he says, you know what? Look at all the head honchos down there. Look at all the religious leaders who are around here and everything. Those guys are never going to believe that you are their God and their Messiah. You know, Jesus, you know, God has taken forever to bring about you. You know, there's been thousands and thousands of years, tons of prophecies. He's worked so hard for your birth to happen at this time. You don't want that all to go to waste. So make it easy on these people down here. You know, just jump, just jump off this temple. Your God is going to take care of you. You know, God is going to make sure that you don't get injured. And when you jump and nothing happens to you, then they're going to believe that you are God and that you are the Messiah. So just jump and just let God take care of the rest. Now, this is real subtle. 
especially in our lives. Now, I'm going to pick on Christ followers for a moment, okay? Uh, because we do something uh, in Christianity that's a little interesting and that I've observed throughout my lifetime. And so in Christian circles, we've got this terminology. We've got this terminology to kind of justify our actions, all right? So as Christ followers, I've seen this happen many times. Often we will say this phrase, and here's the phrase. We will say, we're just going to step out on faith and trust God, right? You know, we get some big idea and we say, well, how can, you know, God can be for that, you know? God will just help us. If we step out on faith, you know, we just have to trust God. But yet no one does any research, you know, nobody figures out, is that a good idea? Has it been done or anything like that? You know, we're just going to, you know, trust God to provide, you know? And this idea, it's a good idea. And you know what? I found this passage of scripture which says that God's going to come through. And so if God has said it, he's going to do it. Now, what is that? That's not faith. That's a presumption. That's hope. That's not faith. Our role is not to manipulate God. God is in control. Our job is to receive what he wants us to do. I mean, it's a lot like this. You know, some people, they say, well, I'm just going to quit my job because God's going to take care of me, you know? Or, you know what, God, um, you, there's this guy over here, and I've started to date this guy, and he's really amazing. At times, he's got this temper, you know? It's kind of bad when it happens. But you know what? I can overlook that because you'll change him, right? You know, I'll get married to him, and you'll change him. And that's just like the enemy saying, jump. God's got you. And that's what we do. And it's so subtle. It's such a temptation. And we take on a shadow mission. Now let's see how Jesus responds to the enemy on this one. Um, <clears throat> he says in verse 7, Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. And again, Jesus reaches back in time to the time when Israel was wandering in the desert. There was this certain time when they were wandering. They came to a point in this place where there was no water. And uh, when there's two million people, that's a really big deal. There's no water for two million people. And uh, so they say they've got, you know, there's two options. One, we can wait and trust God. Or two, we can taunt God. God, I thought you were going to provide. God, I thought you were going to help us. You promised. God, give us water. And unfortunately, they chose option two, and they tried to uh, manipulate God. They tried to force God's hand. And here's what Jesus is saying to the devil, simply. He's saying, you know, our role is not to manipulate God. Our role is to cooperate. We don't force God hand by leaping and all of a sudden hoping uh, that he's going to help us out. Instead, we look to God for direction and guidance. We try to tune into what God wants rather than what we want him to do. Let me say that again. We try to tune into what God wants rather than what we want him to do. That's our role. And so finally, the devil, he's upset, and he's like, man, I've got one more I'm going to throw at Jesus. So here's the last major temptation. Verse 8, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Now, the reason Jesus had come was to take back what the devil had taken control over. So the devil says, you know what? Hey, don't worry. You don't have to pry this thing from me. Um, I'll give it to you. You know, you won't have to suffer. You won't have to go through pain. You won't have to go through those beatings. You won't have to be whipped. You won't have to suffer a painful death for people who, you know, aren't going to end up believing you in anyways, you know? So here's your kingdom, you know? It's God's will that you have this kingdom. All you have to do is worship me. Hey, Jesus, I made this real easy. I took you totally away from everybody. No one's looking, you know? I took you far away. All you have to do is bow down. Man, what a major temptation. Because Jesus could have become king in that moment. He would have not had to face all the rejection, all the suffering, all the pain, all the anguish, the death of the cross. But you know what? We would have been lost. You would have been lost. Because we have to understand that the reason Jesus came was to die for us. God had given us a perfect life. It was a gift. And we messed up that perfect life. We sinned and it created a debt, a debt that we could not pay because it required a perfect life, a perfect sacrifice to cover our sins. And we couldn't do it. And Jesus said, I'll do it. I'll give my life for their lives. And he wasn't forced to do it. He said, I'll go on my free will to die for them because I love them so much. Now, often we're tempted to power up. You know, we're, we're tempted to take control. You know, some of us, we're so driven. We're so goal-oriented. You know, we're so like perfectionistic. And that's a good thing. That's a God-given thing. But sometimes we try to make things happen. And when we go to make things happen, sometimes we're not sure if God is really there in it. Like we made it happen, but is God there? Or did we just make this huge mess because we tried to take control? We tried to power up and it hurts us and it hurts the ones that we love and it hurts our relationship with God. That's not what he wants. All we have to do is surrender and stop playing tug of war. And listen to this. I love how Jesus ends this. He says to the devil in verse 10, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Do you know what Jesus wanted more than the kingdoms of the earth? He wanted unbroken fellowship with the Father, and he wanted you. Do you know what he got at the end? He got both. He got us when he died on the cross, and when we put our faith in him, he freed us from the enemy's clutches, and he got unbroken fellowship with God when he chose to follow God's mission rather than a shadow mission. He chose to suffer for us in those moments. Do you know what happens when we choose God's mission? 
We, when we follow God's plan and we do not play tug of war, we get peace with God. We can look up at night at the ceiling and we know that we are doing what God exactly wants us to do and we're exactly where God wants us to be. And if he wants us to move, then we'll move. When he says move, we'll move. And we have peace with God because we understand that God is trustworthy and that God is faithful and he cares about the details of our lives. And so we don't have to make things happen. We don't have to try to manipulate. We don't have to try to lie about certain things because God is there. And we never have to wonder about our future because he's right there with us. He's been there in the past. He will be here today and he will be there for us tomorrow. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, we live in an earth that there is a battle every single day. And it's amazing that God would give us these three temptations and an example to show us how we need to deal with our temptations. And he does that because he loves us. And so we don't have to fret about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. And so the question that we have to ask us is simply this. So how do we not fall into temptation and take on these shadow missions? And here's what we need to know. When we know that there is more at stake than what we can see, then God provides us help to overcome the temptations to choose a shadow mission versus God's mission. And so how do you do that? What are some practical handles? Well, first we've got to spot it. Now, Jesus modeled this amazingly, okay? He knew what God had done in the past. He also knew God's word and what God had said. And so he armed himself with the truth. And when temptation came, he was able to deflect it with truth and called out for what it was, which was lies. And so we've got to do the same thing. We've got to arm ourselves with truth and knowing what God has said in scripture. And so one of the ways that we could do that is simply get the YouVersion Bible app, start reading Bible plans and get familiar with God's word. Let it soak in our minds. Uh, grab the spiritual growth challenge, go deeper with the message every single week, get into a community group, start studying God's word, have other people to help you. And so what we need to do is simply be able to spot it, spot temptation when it comes. Now, once we spot it, we need to do something else. All right, we need to do this. And this is what we need to do. We need to spot temptation and then give it the knots. And this is what I mean by give it the nuts. We need to say to temptation, just like Jesus called out the enemy, we need to say, temptation, you will not have my future. Temptation, you will not have my family. Temptation, you will not have my faith. And so we've got to say, when temptation comes our way, we've got to say, temptation, you will not have my future. Temptation, you will not have my family. Temptation, you will not have my faith. And so that's what I want us to practice here, okay? I want us to arm us with this. So on the count of three, I want you to practice. I want to say it with you. So on the count of three, one, two, three, temptation. Wait a second. That was a little half-hearted, all right? So let's go here, all right? You're, the, you're going to be coming to the 830 service here in a second, all right? 
Let's go. One, two, three. Temptation, you will not have my future. Temptation, you will not have my family. Temptation, you will not have my faith. Now, one more time, all right? Temptation, you will not have my faith. There you go. Temptation, you will not have my family. Temptation, you will not have my faith. Awesome. When we say that, It is so important because we will be tempted and there is always something at stake more than what we can see. Now, here's what I want to do. As you came in, you had this uh, string that represents the rope and I asked you to tie it around your wrists. And here's what this represents. When we cave into shadow missions, when we play tug of war with God, what happens is that rope often binds us it traps us into a lesser mission than what God had for us. And so in a moment here, we're going to uh, close out in prayer and a song. And during that song, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take that, or during the prayer, I want you to take off that string. And I want you to put it in the palms of your hands. And I want you to look at it. And I want you to ask this question. Is this worth my future? Is this worth my family? Is this worth my faith when I choose a shadow mission? And if, it's, if the answer is no, then what we need to do as a first step is often tell God, God, I am so sorry for taking on a shadow mission. I am so sorry for trying to make things happen. Will you forgive me and will you help me? That's the first step. For some of you, maybe you're not there. Maybe you're just checking out this whole God thing, but some of the things that have been said today, you've been like, that makes sense. Wow. Well, would you pray this? Would you say, God, you know what? I'm not exactly sure if I believe in you, but I'm starting to warm up. And God, would you continue to reveal yourself to me? I'm going to keep coming back. In fact, I can get involved in starting point. We can sign up today. So I'm going to continue to check out who you are and what you've done in history. And so I'm going to sign up for that today. And then for some of you, maybe, you know, you're good with God. Maybe things are cruising and everything. Would you just during this time, just check your heart? And would you say, God, is there something that is tempting me? Is there something that I've caved into a shadow mission? And so God, would you reveal that to me? And here's what will happen. God will come through. He is faithful. And we just have to continue to get to know him, continue to get to know his word. If you don't know how to do that, then grab the spiritual growth challenge. Take it each week. Continue to look up the passages. Continue to study it. And so that's what we need to do. Because every day we are in a battle and we have a choice to either follow God's mission for our lives or follow shadow missions. And there's always more at stake than what we see and we need his help. So let's go and ask him for help. So Father, we come to you and we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that you are God that cares so much about us. God, as people look at these ropes, may they ask the question of, God, is this worth it? Is it worth me taking a shadow mission more than my future, more than my family, 
more than my faith? Will this ultimately take me away from you? It will. And so, Father, I pray that they would just surrender that in this moment to you. Father, I pray for those that don't know you, that are just checking you out. I pray that you would just speak to them in a very personal way this week. I pray that they will truly search for answers instead of saying, no, I got this. I got this. Father, if there's something in our hearts that's not right, would you check us? Would you say, you know what? You got some wrong motivation there. It's been about you and not about me. So, Father, thank you for speaking to our hearts on a regular basis like that. Thank you, God, that we can trust you, that you have worked in history, that you are here today, and you will be here for us tomorrow. We can put our faith in you. We can trust you. You are good. So, Father, we thank you for speaking today. In Jesus' name, amen.